Hazel Hislop and welcome back to my podcast, Healing Emotions. On this podcast, we're talking about mental health and well-being and how to navigate everyday life challenges while promoting mental health. Welcome back to my podcast, Healing Emotions. My name is Hazel Hislop and today I'm really privileged and honored to have as my guest, Dr. Esther Cole. Um, we met um, not very long, maybe uh, probably a year ago, but actually only started speaking more recently. Um, and we met on LinkedIn through professional connections, but um, quickly found out that we had um, some common interests, especially around mental health, well-being, burnout, burnout etc. So. I'm not going to um, introduce um, Dr. Cole or Esther. We found out how she wants to be um, um, addressed in this podcast. (laughs) I'm going to um, let her introduce herself, tell you a bit about who she she is, and then we can then go into the um, interview. So our topic today is called being a professional and parent and dealing with burnout and just a warning that the title might change by the end of this podcast (laughs) but now our working title is being a professional and a parent and dealing with burnout so Esther welcome to this podcast and thank you for joining me on this journey welcome thank you so much for having me and um yeah it's just it's the pleasure's all mine actually I've, I've really enjoyed listening to your podcasts um I love the title healing emotions and um it was really powerful that you and I connected on our stories around burnout so I really a- appreciate this opportunity to um talk to your followers um more about that Thank you so much. Thank you. And I think it's so generous of you to find the time because I know you're a very busy parent and professional. So um, I wonder, well, first of all, how are you today? How are you showing up today? Yes, I'm, I'm really good, actually. Um, I'm learning to prioritise self-care. Um, so just to tell you a bit about, about myself. So, yeah, I'm Dr. Esther Cole. I'm a clinical psychologist. Um, I, I'm um, the clinical director um, of a uh, practice that I developed in 2018 called Lifespan Psychology. And that was really born out of um, my passion for working with um, people of all ages and backgrounds. And um, I'd worked in the NHS for, for 12 years and um, I'd found that I'd got more and more specialist and by the end of my my time there um, I loved working with the NHS but I was very um, highly specialized in just doing dementia testing and so um, by the by the time of developing lifespan psychology I'd already had um, two small children they're about three and sort of just a few months old my son and my daughter and um, Yes, yeah, so not only was I able to develop more skills, you know, working with a whole range, families, adults, children, young people, um, I was able to fit it around my growing, the needs of my growing family as well. 
Wow. So that's who I am. <laughs> I don't know if you want a bit more of my background and how I got yes, into psychology. It would be really lovely to understand your journey into um, your role as a psychologist and, and also maybe um, talk as well about um, you also con uh, got a book that you've been part of um, in your development as a professional. So it'd be good to, to hear a bit more about your journey into to where you are right now. So I was really fortunate. I like to share my early story because I think from the age of 14, I always wanted to be a psychologist, so either a psychologist or a writer. Wow. And, um... I'm just going to interrupt there. How <laughs> does a 14-year-old want to be a psychologist? Because it's so, such a young age to, to have that. Now. How that oh, gosh, it was a passion of mine. So I think that we all go through... Um, things in our childhood um, where I think at the time we probably feel a bit more helpless than we would ideally like and we want to understand more about things um, whether it's relationships, family dynamics, um, traumatic things that could happen to us, bullying, any all sorts of things that could happen to us during childhood um, but also the, the positive psychology side of things as well like how do you thrive and um, uh, what is resilience and all those questions I, I had from a young age and, and also loved writing so um, I was really fortunate that I was I was from a, um, a low-income family but I was supported with an assisted place to attend a private school um, so I think that really was my sort of passport into um, a different life and a different world mm -hmm. um, so I went to a really good school really good private school from the age of 11 and um, yeah, I, I had that opportunity. And then I, I went to Oxford from there, which I may or may not have been able to achieve. And I think that really set me up. Um, and I studied psychology at Oxford and then did my doctorate at Surrey um, a few years later. So that was my journey, really, into um, a psychologist. In terms of the book, it was on my training. Um, I was a trainee at the time in my last year, it was 2012, 13, and I'd met a young um, boy um, of 12 who had a brain tumour at the age of 10. And I developed some narrative sort of storytelling therapy with him about his um, brain injury and how, how it affected his life. Um, and, you know, he struggled with mobility, memory, um, he had um, difficulties regulating things like um, uh, like kidneys, like urine and things like that. And it was building um, an empowering narrative around his disabilities. Yeah. So looking at ability rather than disability and deconstructing that. And so in these more powerful stories, um, we were able to kind of change his story into a more positive one and he did really well at the time and um went to mainstream school and and was able to walk and had an improved mood and so on so that inspired me to write um a book with about 25 other psychologists who actually are specialists in pediatric brain injury mm -hmm. and so four years later um I, <laughs> at that point, so going back to the original question in the podcast, um, how we deal with burnout by the point of, from the point of training, having my first child, having my second, finishing the book four years after training, being pregnant with my third, at that point I had burnt out. Mm -hmm. um, 
so the point of the book launch, I'd actually burnt out at that point. Um, and I was doing our NHS work and private and writing the book and had two children and was pregnant with my third. So as you can see, there was a snowball effect. Um, and I think I get quite enthusiastic about projects as well and uh, can take on too much at the wrong time. Yeah. But that's how the book was developed. And um, yeah, I'm just really, really pleased that we were able to um, write about different types of therapy. Um, it's called Psychological Therapy for Pediatric Acquired Brain Injury. Uh, there's there's very little written on that on that area. So how to help the children and families affected by that. And we can put that in the link when we do um when if you give me permission to um to launch the podcast um, one of the yeah, things no. I'm thinking about, <laughs> um, one of the things i want to, i'm quite open on this podcast with, yeah. my, uh, with my listeners so i, I wanted to able to say the reason i just said that to esther is because i'm um, I wanted to be sensitive to her story and for her to give permission to do to have the final say in whether we send it out or not so i'm not going to edit it because i want you also to see that we're real and we're sensitive and we've got emotions yeah which brings me into the aspect around professionalism because when i was trained um i started off as a nurse and then did psychology and then systemic psychotherapy and then later Mm. coaching on my initial initial journey into nursing and and working in mental health is that you couldn't talk about yourself you had Mm. to have that barrier with the clients but when I started systemic psychotherapy, um, one of the the, the the model was around that you're not, it's not just about the client and you being, me being the expert, but it's a collaborative process. Mm, where, absolutely. Um, whatever is going on in, in, in the clinician life would impact on the client. So you were listening to your journey around burnout as there's so much parallels with me as a, <laughs> uh, as mm. a, a woman, a, a parent having young children, you know, starting. I remember doing, when I started my, uh, when I was doing my psychology degree, I was, pregnant with my first daughter and then mm. two and a half years later I started my MSc two weeks old daughter wow. and showing up into the um, learning environment and people being really shocked but there's something wow. around um, I guess the parallels around in terms of journey and I know you shared an article with me earlier but we could go into that later mm, and yeah. a brief look at it. but I think it connects to this journey around um, just in this context as a woman as a black woman and and the, the narrative around working, parenting, et cetera. But yeah. we can explore that later. What I wanted to um, talk about really, just as um, you talk about burnout, because mm-hmm. everyone seems to understand burnout differently. From your perspective, what do you understand by burnout? And also in terms of your own burnout, what were, what was what's your experience of burnout? And you can share <laughs> as much as you want to. So I think... Bit. I think my perspective, um, there's lots of definitions out there, um, but I think you can be burnt out by um, different degrees. And I think it's really important for us to be aware of and mindful of our bodies um, and what our minds are doing so that we can intervene at earlier stages before, you know, you know, severe burnout. But I think it's probably burnout by different degrees um, mm-hmm. and in different contexts. So I think like, classic definitions are looking at workplace burnout but I think we know that burnout can occur um you know outside workplace as well you know with regards to other roles and and having role strain in different areas but burnout for me 
Um, it is a, it's a physical mental breakdown of the body, I believe. Um, and it's, you know, I had, by the time I took on all of that, um, at the time of writing the book, having two, ch two small children, working NHS in private, my experience was that I was repeatedly in hospital and, um, you know, the early signs would have been things like fatigue, headaches, dizziness, um, you know, worry, stress. Um, you know, some of my clients, they might suffer from panic attacks, um, digestive issues, problems eating, you know, eating too much, not eating at all, you know, those sort of classic signs. Um, and for me, I had an autoimmune sort of breakdown where, um, my the main I mean they they didn't know what was wrong with me they thought I had um lupus and it's still kind of we're still wondering what it is but I'm in a really good place now so it's less likely that it's that so lupus is where the body attacks like different organs um and um yeah it's very very scary very scary illness mm -hmm. and for me most most specifically it was around my kidneys and during covid I was told that I would I would very likely need dialysis or a transplant and um, that was life-changing news for me mm. um, and I think that burnout it, it can be life-threatening you know it can it can go to the point where um, we've not listened to our bodies we've neglected our own needs our own self-care or we've been caring too much for our children or our parents or you know whatever caring roles we have or we've neglected ourselves and put our bodies last and it can actually be that serious so yeah I think that's what I what I think burnout is in a nutshell there's different degrees of it it can happen in different contexts um, but it can be a combination of you know different factors and mainly it's, it's the impact on your body and your mind and, and um, it's very fascinating for me because what led me to work independently and it sounds like you and I have got some sort of, again, parallels in terms of journey from um, working in the public sector into private. There's something around um, that experience of learning and growth. And for me, I, I had burnout as well um, mm -hmm. in 2020. Well, I, I recognise it more in 2015, 2016. And yeah. it came a lot with physical symptoms, being tearful, mm. anxious, not really aware. And, and what it then led me to become really curious about self-care for, yeah. for healthcare professionals, self-care mm. therapists. Um, clinicians etc because I think we're really um, traditionally bad at putting ourselves first we yes. have this idea that we're going to save the world oh absolutely that, you know that we're so we're superpower super, <laughs> super human but what is interesting to me is that most of of us suffer in silence we don't mm. talk about it we're ashamed to talk about the mm. fact that we're not coping or we're not managing and I'm just curious about that narrative Mm -hmm. um, and whether you've had that experience within um, the clinical healthcare context um, where you've noticed any patterns of people who are afraid or ashamed or scared to talk about the fact that they may be giving too much, working too much and are afraid to maybe push back or challenge. Um, oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've had the privilege of like working with um, healthcare professionals and then like 
other professionals through like employee assistance programs and so on. And, um, you know, there is a lot of shame in requesting leave or um, even requesting compassionate leave or, you know, people often work above and beyond their hours and um, that people do find it hard to request time off or um, request flexible hours, you know, flexible working patterns around their, their children or people they're caring for. Um, and also financially, very, very difficult for people to say, you know, I need to go part time now. Um, I can't. I can't work full time. It's not possible. Um, or if they, you know, um, I work with clients who are looking after children with disabilities, you know, and they can't work full time. It's very difficult. So, and there is that, um, yeah, it's an unhelpful belief, I think, that, um, and I've found it really hard, really helpful listening to podcasts like these and other podcasts, um, mm-hmm. you know, regarding this sort of the superhuman, superwoman. Um, Superman, <laughs> um, you know, these sort of beliefs that we feel we have to live up to and these these visions that we have to live up to. And um, a lot of that can be to do with um, personality or trauma. You know, sometimes it's easier to go to work than to, to stay at home if you need to stay at home. For, for some people, they you know, they get so much satisfaction from being at work um it's a break from things that might be going on at home that are difficult it's a break from a caring role it you know you get that sense of achievement and reward you're getting financially you know uh compensated it's I think it's very difficult for people to in particularly in the health profession to say I need to I need to take care of myself because you feel you should be able to, first of all, you're, 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 people assume, don't they, that you know everything there is about caring because <laughs> you, you're giving the advice. So they think you know how to care, probably the best, you know, really good at caring and prioritising um, yourself. But it's not always the case, no. No. And I think there's so many, um, it, there's such a multi-layered context. There's so many... Um, uh, sort of forces that's holding those beliefs in place around work, um, working hard, not asking for help, help mm-hmm. sector, which could be cultural, which could mm-hmm. be a societal thing, political, mm-hmm. or again, fear of not having enough in terms of money, etc. So yeah, it's it's really um, a wider system issue than an individual issue mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. Uh, work, work, the mindset of work. What is what is success? What does success will look like? Absolutely. And I, um, I'm just really, I did a training yesterday around resilience and I'm, it was just making me rethink the idea of resilience in terms of my own mm. story. Yeah. And thinking back to actually, where did this story of resilience come from? Because I used to pride myself in thinking, oh, I'm really resilient. Mm. I could adapt and I would say to organization, you can hire me because I'm so resilient. I'm so strong. Yeah. And actually, it's a good thing, but it's worked against me because that's the thing that led me to burn out. Absolutely, Having yeah. that idea that I, you know, I'm flexible and adaptable. So it's really, I sort of look at it from a historical point of view. Where did this come? It started even before I was born in terms of my own history coming from the Caribbean, mm-hmm. history of slavery, of, um, so in terms of, you know, you work hard, you stay quiet, but also gender mm. stories around 
what women did or what men do for success. So it's, mm. it's such a complex issue that it's going to take maybe years to unravel and come to a place of what actually is a healthier way to work in terms of giving and receiving. Um, yeah, I really, I really love what you said. And um, um, we'll talk about this a bit more, I think, mm-hmm. in a few minutes. But just being... Um, surrounding myself with a network of just amazing friends, family, colleagues, mentors, uh, coaches, you know, I think um, I've been able to address what does success look like. So success for me was actually spending a lot of time, you know, recovering and and being a mom and going to health appointments and, addressing what I need to reduce stress like you know having spa days and Mm. you know that's what I love I love swimming I love spas I love music um you know the things that I love doing and success for me for the last couple years hasn't been actually doing much clinical work at all it's been um delegating it's been you know finding the right childcare finding other psychologists to work with me that um, are brilliant and, and are able to you know work autonomously and um, giving myself that time to be with the children and to rest and not not to earn very much money in that period of time you know and it's um I think that when we when we look at what success is for us um, I think we're probably being really harsh on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where it comes from, whether it, you know, it could have been, um, could have been school. Um, I went to a very high achieving school. Um, it could be those kind of voices in your head saying that you need to achieve in a certain way, otherwise you're a failure. Yes. Um, and those very harsh, critical voices we take with us. But when we look at ourselves on the outside, I wonder if we would be as harsh on ourselves. Um, pretty good question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, good yeah, like is it is it enough that I raise three children and I don't see many clients? I see, you know, at one point obviously I was on maternity, I didn't see anybody. Is that a bad thing? Well I look after my health for a year and and now they're saying that um they don't think I'm gonna imminently need a transplant or imminently need dialysis. I think that's been a year really well spent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, okay. I think that that was my goal. You know, yeah. that was my goal to, yeah. I could have been busy, you know, burning myself out even more, um, working as hard as I could, earning as much money as I could and not have my health. And um, I think we all know that health is our number one precious thing really, isn't it? Without that, what do we have? Yeah. And sometimes it takes those crises or trauma or major transition to remind us but it's interesting what you said because um you know how you how you um took the power back around what the success is and not allowing external factors to drive your motivation Mm. for success because so many people um Mm. myself in the past especially when i work with organizations in the corporate sector that the focus is on the external, it's the pleasing others, Absolutely. like family and friends, or 
trying to get more and more and more, trying mm. to get a bigger house or more money. Oh, absolutely. Pounds, <laughs> really just driving, driving, driving to yeah. get, just accumulate more and at the risk of health, relationship, etc. Absolutely. And someone else, someone who doesn't do that can also be judged and criticized to think, oh, what a waste. You know, she's wasting her time or mm. her talents or her skills. But yeah, it's just yeah, I just find the whole experience fascinating when, when you look at how how we how, and, and and also I think I think for me as well it's kind of is it more on um so context again, whether mm-hmm. in the West success is is, is um uh, maybe determined differently or understood differently to maybe somebody who was from a different um Mm. region or or part of the world where success would be around their family absolutely (laughs) yeah so who determines what success should be like and what it is it's it's i know this is probably another topic really but but yeah yeah, it's really important what you're saying and I, i think that um you know i think i don't know if you've ever fallen um into this trap but you say you know, or when when I'm a psych- when I'm a psychologist, I'll be happy. When I'm a mm, <laughs> when yeah. I publish a book, I'll be happy. When I bought my yeah. house, I'll be happy. And then yeah. you do all those things, and you realise actually there's still something more. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. when I have three children, I'll be happy. Yeah. So I think you can put all these milestones in place that you'll be happy when that happens. And that's a trap because actually you're supposed to be happy as much as you can be, um, living life. Uh, to the full according to your values um, and your dreams and your hopes regardless of your journey it's about your journey isn't it not just the destination of I'm going to be happy when because I'm looking at my book and it's on the shelf and it's nice that it's there but (laughs) it's like well you know it the impact will I'm sure there'll be it'll be very useful to lots of children um but that is something that will be, you know, that ripple effect will, will take years to actually, you know, have a, have an impact in a way, if that makes sense. I think we've yes. just got to be content with what we we have now, what we have today. Yes. And um, that's why mindfulness has been, like, really helpful for me, someone who's who is very driven uh, and strives. I think being able to appreciate the now, the here and now, and to enjoy the moment, and to be present is is actually a really important life skill. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, um, I mean, this is fascinating. I, I love just this conversation, but I want to also honor your time here. Um, is there anything, any question so far that I haven't asked you that would be useful to share with the audience? Because I could get caught up in the story. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I'm glad you got my story. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure um, how much to share of it. But, um, um, I'm, en- I'm really enjoying and I, I don't have any right word but it's just, I just feel it I can feel my body that lightness that's kind of I feel really inspired and Aww. I tend to go with my emotions and my feelings when I'm in this mindset and I just feel really it's a sense of there's something big and greater happening here and unfolding wonderful that, that needs to be shared and and um and it's a gift so, oh, thank you. So. No, it's a real honour. And I think that's what happens with me. I get carried away with these projects like the book because it was like I felt that I needed to, there was a kind of, um, it was a gift that I needed mm. to bring into the world and that it was probably inspired, you know, 
I was inspired, you know, if you believe in God, you might think that um, there's certain purposes you have in life. And I got very, very, um, you know, that was my mission for many years to produce this book. And, um, but it is really lovely to hear you say that, you know, you're enjoying doing this podcast and that there, there's something special we, we need to communicate together. And I, I would agree. So where um, where would be useful to go from here? Because I know that you were also preparing for the podcast and you um, there may be things that you, you wanted to share that you haven't had the opportunity to share yet. Is there anything that... Oh, it was just, um, as, I, as I said, being surrounded by people um, that are, you know, I'm so, I'm very, very fortunate to have such a great team that I work with and... Mm-hmm family friends and so on and so on and one of my associates sent me this incredible model um, that basically encapsulates everything we we talked about so in terms of how we deal with burnout um you know the the breathe model that I sent you yesterday um Yeah. (laughs) yeah so um so by no means am I an expert in this, but it just resonates with what we've been talking about as if people want to um think about ways to deal with burnout breathe the acronym breathe so first of all I talked about mindfulness being really powerful um deep breathing I think is very very powerful for overcoming anxiety and it you know it's well documented but the acronym breathe um it it, and there's obviously more details um that you can find online um and I need to find the, the authors actually um so this model is by um Bell, Burton and Evans. Mm -hmm. And um, it it stands for balance, reflection, energy, association, transparency, healing and empowerment. And I think that is really, you know, we could talk a bit around um, what each of those mean briefly, but I think it's a really helpful model, encapsulates everything that, um, you know, I feel like, the, the uh, helpful tools to get out of burnout mm-hmm. um what did you think of it when you saw i had a um i only saw it this morning so i had a brief um look over it i haven't read the article in detail but i like the way in which they um set the context in terms of women um, and i know it's not just women who are parents it's also men who are parents but um this mother really it was quite a um, sophisticated but simple model to mm, try and uh, break yeah. it down. Um, so I really liked it and I thought it fitted for me in terms, I can only speak from my position as a woman and a black woman. Yeah, sure. Um, um, in terms of how that that model that I was, you know, in terms of how, what, maybe a bit of what we spoke about um, just um, before around where did we get that idea of you know, success? So for me, mm. when I read this this model, I was thinking about um, always working hard and, um, but also it contradicted for me, well, I don't know if contradicted, but I, um, I think I shared this probably in, in maybe the writing that I'm doing around when I came to the UK in 1991 from the Caribbean, mm-hmm. I came from a, a very extended family which what there was it wasn't individualistic I didn't so me as a human Mm. individual was part of a family so I never was described as hazel it was always hazel the the daughter of so-and-so who's a grandfather itself sure um Mm. extended and then when I came here there was a force to focus individually and what who am I 
mm. what am I doing? So it's more about the way I look, um, mm-hmm. such and so the the, the 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 narrative around the strong black woman when I came here was being um, portrayed in the media, and I got really confused because I didn't know what a strong black woman was meant to be. And I was sort of like, I remember my my ex husband was saying that like, you need to toughen up, you need to be strong. Oh, wow. he's, he's, he's um black British born, so I really that conflict because I kind of thought, well, I don't see myself oh, yeah. as that strong black woman because it was also the media's portrayal of 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 the, this woman as being very aggressive. Oh so wow, I absolutely understand me, what you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the article really made me think about it because it think talk about actually the, there's nothing wrong in having strength and power but also is also reminded also that we can also be vulnerable and it's just managing those two the strength the strength and um independence is good because it gives you resilience and and it means you yeah. can just get on with it but also sometimes it stops you from asking for help so that's what i got out of it so far but also the technique so what about you what what resonated for you in that art in, in this article well I think what you're I wonder a little bit of what you're getting at is you know obviously um ugh, many if not all of us had to deal with um systemic racism and um you know microaggressions and it is it is traumatic to have to deal with that on an ongoing basis um throughout your life from childhood mm-hmm. um and I think that you know, the acronym is really helpful. It, it is more of an, in in a way, I, I hear what you're saying, that you you came from um, a culture where you were embedded in a family and a, and a system and you weren't an individual. But there's it's quite good because there are individual components to it, like getting the balance right okay. um, and being able to reflect, self-reflect. Maybe that's maybe more of a different skill then if you're more kind of think about, you know, if you're from a... Um, a context that is more um, less individualistic. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, um, I think that yeah, I think it's I think it's a it is helpful. Um, but I think it could also be useful in other cultures as well, not just for women who've um, you know experienced microaggressions or racism. I think the the, the balance the breathe model is really helpful in general. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. I, I don't think it, although it was written for, because I think the context was an American context of, of a black woman, but actually the model, when you take it out of the context, could be applied. Um, and again, I haven't read the full article, but yeah, of the, course. Yeah. the summary of it is that I think it could be applied in any context for any age, any stage, yeah, any yeah. age, etc. So it's a really simple model. And it's a different model to what, I've come across in terms of managing um, self-care. Oh, but that was what I was going to say. Sorry, yeah, so the transparency bit of the, so the T in Breathe is about um, owning and being transparent and truthful about your pain. Mm -hmm. And that is very important, but I think there is a lot of stigma attached to black women and being honest and open and that that can, you can be, you can be criticised for that. So it's finding ways to honour yourself, honour your boundaries and be transparent in a way that is non-threatening, I suppose. And I think that that can be <laughs> that can be challenging. But um, these are all skills, aren't they, that we just have to we have to develop to kind of maintain our self-care. Um, in, in, yeah, and being in Britain, um, 
So yeah, I I hope that was helpful. Yeah, it was. And also just to say to all the people who listen, they're also outside of, of Britain. I've got listeners well, from different parts of the world. Ah. So I'm sure of people in America, people in the Caribbean, in Africa, within Europe. Mm. So I, I, it would touch somebody at some level. Um, I'm, I'm just, we probably have about five minutes or so. Um, you know, you talked about the journey of being a, a parent, sort of balancing that with profession, professionalism. And you talk about some of the clients that you've got who have children with disability, etc. So um, I guess I was curious about your own sort of story or journey in terms of how you manage parenthood and, and also with your, um, your husband, partner um, around that um, in, in terms of kind of your journey, but also maybe what you notice with, with other parents as well, kind of how do they manage um, kind of the, when they're going through any sort of crisis or challenge or trauma. Oh, yes. So you mean when they... Any, so gone you so you mean that how do you juggle it all like um do you mean how do you yeah. create flex you know how do you be flexible and how do you be responsive a responsive parent when you've got so many things to juggle yes and maybe probably or i guess from your experience of what you've been through and and you know kind of having to get to the stage where you're um or, to, or you had to had the challenge of your autoimmune system mm. uh, being in crisis I wondered what the learning was for you from that journey as a parent and oh, yeah. the other parents you've dealt with maybe they're learning and what you can share with perhaps the people who are parents that's listening as well I yeah know, I think too um, much to ask? I'll try I'll try and sum up in a few minutes um <laughs> so I think that um as, as new parents and as parents in general, many of us feel that we have these dreams. Maybe you have to put some of them on hold um, to take care of our children. I don't know how you feel about that, but, you know, sometimes to an extent you might have to. And I think it is a constant um, juggling and um, prioritisation act, you know, and who needs prioritising what and, and when. Um, and to fit, in, to fit in work in that can be challenging. Um, and particularly when you've got health conditions. So yeah, it's a lot to, a lot to pile on. How do I manage? So I think um, being closer to family who could help was 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 really helpful. Um, and um, I did seek several medical opinions as well. So I did have, have more than one. And I also went down um, the kind of herbal medicine route and, and made changes to my diet, which made a big difference. Mm -hmm. um, and so I understood more about what, what foods my body couldn't tolerate. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really, really big piece of learning because we, we eat all the time, don't we? So if we can, if there's something we are reacting to, I think it's important to be aware of that. Um, and then really, I'm just trying to be res as responsive as possible to how my children feel where they are. So what school they're at, you know, whether they have a childminder or a nanny or, you know, babysitter or whatever childcare they have I want to make sure that they're happy and if they're not then I, I would just they come first so um if I know that that good that good childcare is in place then I will work but if it's not then I don't and it's kind of or I just work in a different way so I might work more behind the scenes 
but I, I very much prioritize them. And then, you know, if one of my children are ill, you know, and I let my clients know that I have three children, if I have to prioritize them, collect them early from school, take time off, I do. And it's it's been been one where I've had to accept that I will be the one to um, be flexible and I'll be the one to be responsive, but at this, when they're this small, um, you know, they're all they're all under eight. Um, that's what I need to do, and it's only for a time. So I think helping us all realise it's for a time as well. It's not forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then slowly you get bits of your life back, like you get your sleep back slowly. If your children don't sleep through the night in the beginning, slowly get your sleep back. Um, but really being mindful of those early years when you're not getting sleep as well and, you know, what that can do to your circadian rhythm, your mood, your energy levels, um, and just finding ways to restore your energy and recharge in those early years and, 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 and have help as much as possible. And if it's not help with childcare, then help with the house or help with the cooking or help from your partner. Um, and trying as much as possible so I encourage my clients to think about what their needs are and what they need to build into their schedules schedules get very very full very quickly if you're a family of five family of four you know your schedules get really full mm-hmm. how where are you going to build in time for you and what do you want to do what did you before children like yeah. doing <laughs> yeah. who were you before you had children um because you sort of you can lose parts of yourself to different roles and forget who it is that you are. You need to reconnect with you and what you what you enjoy and what recharges you and um, what your passions are and and so on. Um, and then carving that time out. So I don't know if I've answered your question enough. Um, no, no, there is. I mean, there was no right or wrong. Whether you about your own um, journey as a parent in the personal aspect but also professionally and I think you've covered them both and what I picked up really um, is the sense of in order to to make that transition into a healthier um, lifestyle it starts with the taking the time um, to Mm. to to notice the changes Mm. that's happening in your body in your mind your emotions and and paying attention to that so and that would mean sleep you know paying attention to when you you talked about the diet for example Mm. it's it's really um that's really the mindfulness people think mindfulness is this woo woo thing where mindfulness is actually really being present and noticing how you feel absolutely what changes in uh, in you within you in your environment absolutely and that's the reflection in that model the r in breathe it's about reflection so i would notice that i would feel experience a lot of pain little abdominal pain with certain food but I would still eat them what for years like why are we doing this to ourselves (laughs) you know it's um yeah you know and and I've worked with clients who've got um you know uh IBS and gastric problems and 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 we you know we examine the the diet and obviously get specialist input and and doctors involved but there are things that we just some of us just can't eat and um Mm it's really important that we reflect, like you say, on our environment, our environment serving us. Are we, in, are we in the right work environment? 
environment? Are we in the right home environment? Do we have the right relationships with the people around us? Um, how do we feel like being responsive to how our bodies are reacting in certain environments, just like you said, and reflecting on that? Yes. And, and, and also just finally feedback from others, like people around you would probably be dropping hints. <laughs> about... Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> so oh. you, you're listening, really. So, yeah. Absolutely. Because I think that's the number one thing. You know, when you're sick in the whole system, your friends, your family, your partner, they suffer too, don't they? So you have to be, you know, to a large extent, take on board what, the feedback you're getting you know if people are worried about your health you know do get a checkup it's very hard I, I do yeah. talk to people a lot who are saying really worried about my partner that he just won't go to the doctor or she just yeah. won't get that sorted out or um you know and it, it may not be a doctor maybe seeing a psychologist or you know for your mental health or it could be anything yeah. it could be physio for your back pain but whatever it is take care of yourself because yeah people around you will, will be worried and and it does affect them too yeah yeah absolutely and, and if you're a parent especially um then you need to be well and healthy in order to to serve your children in order to make sure absolutely upbringing so it starts with you as the parent absolutely and um yeah just i've just you know written down things like pacing pacing yourself and putting in things that you enjoy and finding time to relax and switch off these can be really hard you know I work with clients who you know we almost forget how to um switch off and relax or we feel guilty for switching off like there's something to do why are we not doing something mm. um so it yeah I do I do work with them um, you know people who experience those sort of thoughts you know I can't relax I shouldn't I've got too much to do I, I can't find time for myself there is no time then I think when you when you start saying there is no time that should be an alarm bell in itself I think maybe yeah. <laughs> we have to make time yeah. 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 yeah oh uh Esther thank you so much um you're the kind of person that I could spend all day with me too <laughs> I mean with yeah. you yeah <laughs> just chatting just chatting um, yeah just really um connecting but also listening to your story and the story of your um working with your clients and the environments that you work in it's just really um i think it's a conversation that needs to happen more especially with the pandemic and um, oh absolutely are, are being affected by stress and oh uh, absolutely and the, we have to rethink the way we're working and, and mm. parenting so I think it's a timely conversation. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, and I know we've got to wrap up now, but yeah, go for it. we didn't talk about COVID at all, which is maybe it's a relief for some listeners. But um, well, that's interesting because I was yeah. saying that to a friend yesterday. Like, it's funny how we've gone back into oh, my daughters. We we're talking about that. That I, we talk less and less now about COVID and you almost forget that it's, it's, it's still around. So now oh, go gosh, for yeah. it. No, I was going to say about our immune systems that stress... For me, what I learned about my immune system and having autoimmune, um, you know, illnesses is that stress it in directly impacts our immune system. Mm. And then we were more susceptible to all sorts of things. And we have to be mindful of like, you know, those early warning signs, you know, when we're getting recurrent colds or um, feeling run down or exhausted, you know, 
you're more susceptible to things like COVID when you are run down. So um, stress is like where we kind of, I suppose, as psychologists, we feel we can start with the working on your stress levels and that that has a, a positive spiral, you know, yeah. um, on everything else. Thank you. Well, we have to wrap up now, unfortunately. Yes. But thank you so You're much. You're very Ellie. welcome. If anyone wanted to be in touch with you in terms of your work, etc., can you? Would you like to share that? Are you Are you comfortable sharing where they yeah, can contact? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I work um online as well as um uh, we have um I've got a team that work face to face. I'm mainly doing online now, um but it's www.lifespanpsychology.co.uk. Mm -hmm. and um you can email me at info at lifespanpsychology.co.uk and that's all that's all one word lifespan psychology okay and i'll try and remember to put it in the link and the book yeah you can link to the, the book, book too um <laughs> and yeah. the breathe article if you want to yeah um yeah excellent that's that's a good idea the breathe article so make a note of that all right, then. Thank you so much. Thank you, um, Hazel. And uh, for giving up your time. As a mom with three children and a, and a professional. <laughs> this, this is such valuable time. So thank you. No, pleasure was all mine. Honour to be too. Thank you so much. You take care. All right, then. Thank Bye. You. again for listening to this podcast i hope that you found it useful and if so please don't forget to like share or follow me on this platform or why not follow me on instagram at his love page or check out my website www.hazelhislove.com